and welcome to this episode of Cargo Facts Connect, the podcast of Cargo Facts, the newsletter record for the air cargo and freighter aircraft industries for over 40 years. I'm your host, Andrew Kreider, Associate Editor of Cargo Facts. And I'm your co-host, Associate Editor Robert Liu of Cargo Facts. And I'm Jeff Lee, Editor of Cargo Facts. Before we begin, happy birthday once again, Andrew. Happy birthday, Andrew. We couldn't Thank be here without you, man. You're, you, Thank you, you very make, much. You're an important uh, part to our team. Thank you for sticking it out and making us look uh, very good on these podcasts on a weekly basis, my man. It it is my it, it it's 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 my pleasure. Thank you so much for that, Robert and Jeff. Um, I wanted to begin today with a, a special note to thank all of our listeners. This is our hundredth episode of the Cargo Facts Connect Woo-hoo! podcast. I know on behalf of all the uh, podcast crew, you have a choice in podcast. We'd like to thank you for choosing us, which puts us to uh, EFW. Robert, you have news on a conversion milestone from from the Rhine. Yes. It's a river Elbe, excuse me. Is it river, yes. uh, Elbe or Jeff, correct me on that. Yes. Yes. Perfect. River river, Elbe, the river Elbe. Elbe. Yes, Robert. it flows from the river Elbe. Thank you, Andrew. Um they definitely accomplished a milestone this week uh, by re-delivering their 50th next-generation Airbus freighter with a culmination of all of the different next-generation freighter types, the A330, the A320, and the A321. I believe that that is not just only a significant milestone, but it's a notable one as you know, Airbus is still uh, you know, entering uh, the market from a perspective on the next generation of freighters coming in. And of course, Boeing has been known for having such a solid presence in that uh, air cargo sector for many years. For them to turn around and be able to have such a rapid growth and accomplishment in such a short time span is remarkable. So uh, we tip our hats off to the entire EFW crew. Wolfgang, you owe me a, a band performance next time I see you at the next conference. I want to see you pluck those guitar strings, buddy. But um, that being said, uh, the aircraft that became the 50th breed delivery was indeed the uh, 2012 vintage A330-300 P2F 1357X Avianca uh, that was uh, converted at the Dresden facility and will be going to DHL Express, who in turn will be uh, CMIing it through Air Hong Kong as it continues to expand its operational presence with newer modernized uh, freighters uh, for the Express uh, company's uh, purposes here as they continue to remain competitive in that environment. Um, I do believe that, you know, um, in total, we have seen approximately 17 A330-300 P2Fs, 9 A330-200 P2Fs, and 24 A321-200 P2Fs, and um, A320-200 P2Fs that have uh, culminated to the total of 50 re-deliveries for the STC holder. Um, Jeff, do you want to share any more uh, more detailed insight into this as we continue to move forward, or uh, do we want to continue just with a nice congratulation? Well, um, I did want to say that uh, um, it's perhaps fitting um, that this milestone was um, with DHL and kind of reminds us of uh, Boeing um, 737-800 BCF uh, milestone that they achieved with uh, AirCap. Um, but 
on on this um, on the A330 conversions um, or the Airbus um, new generation next generation Airbus conversions. Um, yeah, they uh, they've they've it's been it hasn't been uh, the the timeline actually isn't that short, but uh, now that they've achieved this this milestone, they um, obviously will continue to ramp up their capacity and um, conversion rates and uh, um, hopefully well we'll see when they reach the hundredth map and it will definitely take less time than they did um, to reach the 50 mark um, but beyond just the FW I mean uh, there are obviously various other companies converting Airbus aircraft um, and so we will apart from the EFW conversions, we'll see more and more um, Airbus freighters entering the market. Um, and that's leaving aside the A350, which of course will be coming in the next uh, few years. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, as we've kind of said before, the the pendulum is shifting um, slightly toward the Airbus side, um, whether that's narrow bodies or wide bodies. Um, but it's, uh, no, it's an interesting time and uh we will we'll see um there are a few other programs that will uh, hopefully get certified in in the in the next couple of years you had you had spoken mostly about the airbus platform um but you had quickly mentioned the bcf which pulls me to uh, ask you about one of your other stories there's a new airline in turkey ulS cargo and they took on the uh, 737 800 uh, this week. Was it was that BCFs as well? Uh, so not the new airline, but new to Boeing. Um, they have Air three A three tens right now, um, and this is the, uh, rather took me by surprise because they had been uh, talking about um, continuing their growth with uh, Airbuses, um, both wide bodies and narrow bodies. So they've been looking at the A three twenty one. Uh, as well as the A330, but of course, um, issues with uh, getting securing conversion slots um, that kind of hindered their their plans, and so they um, they have now basically turned to uh, to the Boeing 737-800, and yes, these will be uh, BCF conversions, um, and they have now signed a deal for two. Well, that's incredibly um, interesting. You say that they had turned to Boeing because of problems getting conversion slots. That's that's a huge news. And tell me how the 737-800 compares to the A310. Well, uh, it doesn't really compare, does it? I mean, they, I think these will, they will definitely won't replace the A310s. I mean, they, they will continue to operate those and um, they've, largely operated um, on an ACMI basis for Turkish airlines. Uh, now, the 737s, of course, will probably enable them to, um, you know, launch different routes. Um, and we'll have to see whether those end up flying for Turkish. Um, really not sure on that right now. But the that first one will be um, coming you know, in the latter part of this year. And um, yeah, so it'll be interesting. And uh, um, these will be from Aircap. Um, we were talking about Aircap um, earlier. Of course, one of the largest um, 737 BCF, 800 BCF conversion customers. Um, 
so yeah, new customer for AirCap, um, new operator for the 737-800 freighter platform, uh, and first 737-800 freighter for Turkey. So a lot of um, different milestones. That That's a number of, of milestones, I, I have to say. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be an expert on the Turkish air cargo beat. Um, do you think the 737 would blend more seamlessly with that um, passenger airlines um, existing passenger thing? Um, well, it's interesting because Turkish Airlines uh, is a huge operator of both Airbus and Boeing narrow bodies. Um, so uh, either type um, has potential to fit in terms of just the operational and um, the infrastructure. Um, and you know, it is interesting for ULS. Um, meanwhile, it, uh, I do wonder what they or how they're going to um, deal with the pilot training and all that, um, given that everything they've uh, built has been around the the Airbus platform. But uh, I mean, that's that's something that operators will will have to address um, at some point, one way or another. Um, so they will, yeah, they've they've clearly. Um, made made or will make the necessary preparations for for that entry of that platform. Jeff, ULS has been primarily a wide body operator, medium wide body for the most part. Uh, with the introduction well, of this, uh, they they haven't operated narrow bodies before, so they they, they were um, oh, okay. solely a wide bodies. But yeah, I mean, this is their entry into the narrow body market, and um, it's uh, they're not the only ones um, to enter the narrow body space. Um, in fact, this year we've seen um, a number of other um, airlines entering the narrow body freighter segment, um, whether that's from airlines that had no freighter presence at all before or airlines that um, did, but were only uh, in the wide body space. Um, so it's uh, yeah, and then a lot of those Companies are doing this with the 737-800, um, but equally we have we're seeing airlines do that with A321s um, as well. So it's uh, I mean it just speaks to the the utility and the potential um, I guess of these uh, latest generation narrowbody conversions, despite you know um, the a sentiment in the market uh, that there might be uh, a bit of a, a not bubble, but you know, an overcapacity or a slight course correction. But um, I think the fact that we are seeing all these new players um, is kind of a counterpoint. And related to this is um, what uh, George Dimitrov at Syrian um, said at Cargofax Latam about 737-800 free to lease rates coming down. Uh, and I believe that this is this might be you know a very good example of that. Um, and we'll continue to see uh, new players being um, more drawn to um, to deals like this, to, to lease the type um, with those lease rates coming down. Very interesting indeed. Robert, you had written to jump something completely different, but something that I think is very interesting. Um, there was a number of retirements um, in May. You wrote seven MD eleven Fs. Who is retiring those? I'm trying not to cry about this. This this was beautiful with your happy birthday, but 
they're retiring MD-11s, and it's so sad to see these aircraft, which have held the market down and maintained the the identity of air cargo movement on the wide body sector, along with the 747s, reach that point where their service is now becoming obsolete. I won't say it's firmly obsolete. There are some different perspectives we have to look at here. Um, FedEx and UPS are the, the primary operators that moved seven of the MD-11 uh, freighter types out to Victorville recently, but it's not a permanent retirement per se, as FedEx did indicate. This is just to maximize efficiency and, and reduce operational cost and overhead, which makes sense. You've got a three-engine powered aircraft that's uh, you know, got some uh, age to it. So obviously uh, there's a lot of uh, overhead that comes with that, as well as uh, fuel burn rates that are a little higher than some of the twin engine wide bodies that are servicing the uh, market, similar market segments now. So uh, we do have to recognize that they can return, but FedEx has for the past year and even prior to that uh, been more focused on the uh, strategy of being frugal and economical with their operations. Uh, and they've launched plenty of initiatives and had uh, earnings calls that have substantiated as much as they continue to streamline and figure out ways to address the uh, downturn and the, the downturn in the demand for air cargo since we're kind of in the, the post phase of the pandemic and things are starting to return to normal. So they've been proactive. Uh, UPS also did acknowledge that they were going to retire the uh, MD-11 uh, fleet and has uh, sent one of these uh, six, one of these seven aircraft, excuse me, that were recently sent out to Victorville uh, to be parked. Don't want to say that it's temporary because they did indicate when they send their aircraft out, they were going to be retiring them. That was the most recent information that Cargofax was able to receive from UPS. So um, it's sad. In a, in, a, in a way, but at the same time, as Jeff mentioned with the ULS and them entering the narrow body space, carriers are looking for uh, modes of uh, delivery that are more efficient, uh, where there's a lower operational cost and some of these uh, variants that are entering the market have capabilities to do some of the things the traditional uh, freighters are more capable of doing, but at a smaller rate, but a quicker and more uh, efficient pace. So. Um, while we will truly uh, miss the MD-11s, we can't say that they're officially gone. There are still some that are flying, but you know it was just kind of notable to see that so many of these aircraft were immediately parked. But FedEx and UPS did indicate that they were going to be moving these out of their fleet service, and they had also indicated that there were certain numbers that they were looking to retire uh, by the end of the year. And uh, so far, FedEx has parked 13 of them. Uh, to date, and UPS indicated, as I said earlier, that they would start retiring their fleet, and uh, you know they expect to retire six of them by the end of the year. So, um, again, traditional carrier uh, MD11 is a finally found its purpose in in the airspace, serving as a freighter versus uh, probably the role of a passenger uh, is definitely witnessed more success as an air cargo uh, provider. And um, it's definitely uh, at a point where the retirement decision has been made by the two the two biggest uh, express companies in the United States, and uh, 
they're making that move to transition out of them. So, well, Robert, you reported that the retirements that you uh, that are occurring this summer are 1990s vintage. Now, the MD11 is not say similar to the 737 Classic because there's so many more classics and there's so many more 737s that still use the same technology. So maintenance cost is is far less, but it's still only 1990s. These aircraft would by age alone seem to have plenty of life in me. Do you know if they ha still have cycles left uh, on the clock or if anyone would be interested in purchasing them? I do believe that there's going to be a viable market for them in the secondary market. Uh, to answer your question about the green time on the airframe and engines, you know, uh, these aircraft were designed to have 150,000 flight hours with 40,000 cycles, according to Boeing, uh, which published that information in Aero Magazine in 2012. Um, you know, again, looking at uh, what what the aircraft is up against, um, you know, the twin engine is the more popular freighter variant these days, and for, for obvious reasons, and it brings uniformity, it brings simplicity, uh, it kind of narrows down the type of engines that airlines have to keep in their stock and inventory and have to overhaul with LLP packages and all of that good stuff to have the, the best green time remaining on their engines uh, to, to facilitate the best use of the aircraft that they have. So, um, you know, of course, we could say they're still very young aircraft, but if you look at the, the trend that's happening in the industry right now, what was once considered the average age of 20 or between 20 and 25 to begin converting passenger aircraft to freighters to operate for another 10 to 15 years has actually been cut by at least a minimum of five years. Now you're seeing aircraft as young as uh, eight to 10 years old that are now being converted to um, freighter aircraft and some as um, old as 50 or as young as 15 for that matter are now being converted. So you're seeing a change in the industry as far as age requirements um, as carriers are looking to try to get younger models where they can get more consistency, more efficiency, more frequency uh, versus the older aircraft that you probably could fly a limited number of times per month before in order to make it uh, operationally feasible from an expense uh, perspective to uh, validate having them in, in your in your fleet. Interesting. Well, only time will tell. Um, and to, speaking of time telling, quickly to wrap it up with the, uh, the both of you, uh, what are some items that you're looking forward to uh, in the next two weeks? I, I was, I'll, I'll actually take uh, that timeline and extend it. Um, with our 100th episode milestone in mind, I'll just say maybe uh, you know a couple of the things that we think or we expect or hope to happen uh, in the second half of this year. Um, one of those, of course, is the um, IAI's 777-300 RSF, um, hopefully being certified uh, and re-delivered. Um, that's going to be a, a major event. Um, speaking of events, of course, our own cargo fax symposium. Um, but um, what about uh, you, Robert? And actually, um, Andrew, you should chip in as well. Yes, Andrew, you go ahead. I'll finish off. I I, I think um, Elroy's first flight um, is going to be significant. Uh, that's, that's a company that 
um, has serious backing from the uh, Department of Defense, um, and their their drone is is a is a neat, unique caliber. It's two hundred kilogram payload. Uh, that's going to be a, a milestone for the drone industry as well. I also um, would hope to um, hear more developments from UPS uh, Flight Forward. Um, that's a company where I know the leadership is is very forward thinking, um, and I have a lot of confidence in their leadership, and I'm hoping that materializes into something soon. Yeah, those are great things to definitely look out for and eagerly anticipate uh, the updates on. I think I'm actually interested, uh, just call me a regional lover, just from having the opportunity to work on the aircraft when I was younger, the uh, certification of the SOP 2000. I want to see how, how that impacts the market and what potential will lie before it and what kind of routes it's going to serve and how many carriers will indeed express a legitimate interest in uh, bringing those into their fleets. I'm also interested in seeing what uh, two 737-800s Alaska Airlines is going to select to do their conversions with. Uh, kudos to them. Should we know um, that already? We do? Yeah, oh. I reported yeah. on that, buddy. Oh, yeah. we have the unit numbers? Oops, my bad. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, no, I definitely want to see how, you know, uh, what's going to happen uh, with the uh, China China Airlines uh, 747s, who they're going to end up with. And uh, I, I'm definitely tracking the 74s. I'm a huge fan of that aircraft. And um, as sad as I was to see the last production model roll off with Atlas earlier this year as we began the new 2023 year, I want to see how operators plan to extend its life and to continue defining the role of that quadjet freighter, which so richly deserves to continue lighten the tires with some of that uh, kerosene jet fuel fire. Haha, <laughs> there we go. All right. Not to spoil um, this the the story but we um we are looking into those and we might have um something on that pretty soon yes well i'm definitely anxious uh to find out what's going to happen with those and can't wait to get the uh confirmation of where they're going so yeah uh, i'm excited uh i think we're in a different space here uh and, uh, and i'm looking forward to seeing how all of this plays out because you know the market is kind of and I won't say in limbo, but it's kind of like defining what its new altitude is going to look like. And I'm anxious to see where it levels off at. So good times well, coming. On that, that's going to be all the time we have for today. For more multimedia coverage like this, search Cargo Facts Connect on iTunes and Spotify and search CargoFacts.com. Thank you very much for tuning in and join us again next time.